Hello, everybody. So great to see you here. Debbie and I spent this last week in L.A., and it was, uh, it was pouring rain, which was really disappointing um, for a good chunk of the time, but then it got really nice. We were at something called a Father Heart School, and we spent the week really uh, trying to receive and understand what does it mean for, uh, for God to be our Heavenly Father. And it was a really meaningful time. The teaching was amazing. Uh, we would spend time just literally resting in God's presence, not doing anything, not listening to any teacher or anything, just having kind of background music, and really understanding how do we receive from God our identity in Him. And uh, it was a, a really amazing time. I hope you can all have that experience. But it's always nice to come home. We got home late last night. And it's great to be back, and we get to talk not about the Father Heart, but about money. Uh, I don't know why I get stuck with the money sermons, but, uh, but here we go. Uh, we're actually in a series. This is the last week in a series on worship, and uh, you'll see how money and worship connect together in just a moment. But if I was to ask you the question, uh, what does money mean to you, how would you answer that question? What does money mean to you? For some of us, I think it means power. Uh, it means freedom. And if I could just have a little bit more money, then I would feel in control. I would have freedom. I could do what I want. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we have a, a bunch of teenagers. And they really, truly believe, if I could have a little bit more money, then I'm going to be free I get to do everything I've always wanted to do. And uh, good luck with that. Uh, some of you may think that money is about, is about pleasure. And uh, there's things that I really want, and, uh, and money would give that to me. And I'm, I'm hoping to get more money so that I can have more pleasure. And, and if you're a Christian, maybe you can say bless others or something like that. Other people, I think money just means worry, and that there's never quite enough of it, and I've really got to stretch every dollar to make sure it all counts, and money is just really a source of anxiety, and it seems like we think so much about money, and are we going to have enough, and how are we going to make ends meet, and money is a super big deal. And so I think that what can happen sometimes is that money can often become uh, our God, or the other way to say it is we can actually become enslaved to money. And most every decision we make has some kind of dollar amount attached to it. And money can define our emotions. It can define our sense of worth. How much do you make? Oh, I make way more or way less. And then you, it, can, it can define us in so many different ways. So what I would like to ask, uh, the question that we want to address today, is how can money have a right place in our hearts? How can money have a right place in our hearts? And this is the phrase that I kind of want us to unpack. unpack. I think that regards to money, we need to trust God and use money. 
We need to trust God and use money. In terms of trusting God, in Hebrews 13, 5, it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money. The word love here means a special interest. It means to covet it, to want more of it. It even, in the context of the passage, means to worship it. So uh, Hebrews 13 says, Keep your lives free from the love, from the worship of money, and be content with what you have. Wow, that's hard, hey? Be content with what you have. You look in your bank account, and you go, that's, that's right. That's enough right there. Have you ever thought that before? Perfect amount. Have you ever thought that? No, neither have I. Uh, but the Bible says, be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. This is about trust. The only way that we're going to have a healthy view of money is if we somehow know and trust that God is good and he's going to take care of us. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Some think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Again, good luck with that. Uh, but there's some churches that say, you know, if you really believe in God and confess the word and stand on what it says, that you're going to make yourself a whack of money. I can think of better ways. But it says the love of money, in verse 10, is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith. Again, loving money is an act of unbelief. It's the opposite of trust. In terms of using money, well, let me just pause for a second. So, do you trust God in the area of your finances? Do you trust God? Sometimes what happens inside of me, uh, we were, as I said, we were in L.A., and uh, as soon as you're in America, I think even when, when you're in Canada, everybody wants to talk about Donald Trump. It's just, so what do you think? You know? And, uh, and then I was talking to this uh, prophet guy, and, uh, and he had, you know, a, a prophetic vision of, of all the debt in the world. It's like trillions of dollars of debt in the world, and how uh, it's coming soon when the financial system, world system, is just going to collapse on itself. And, uh, and I'm, I'm listening to that, and then I, I remember how much our mortgage is, and, uh, and I can just feel it. It starts somewhere around here, and I can just feel the anxiety. It's like, Debbie, we've got to get out now. We've got to sell everything now and move to a little house far away. And I can, I can just, I feel the anxiety come into me. I can feel it. Uh, it's, a, it's hard to trust God with something so practical. You know, uh, if, uh, if those of you here who would count yourself as Christians, if I was to ask you, uh, are you going to go to heaven? You know, you would all say, you would all say, thank you. <laughs> and uh, I was getting a little worried there. <clears throat> but you would say, yeah, of course I'm going to go to heaven. I'm a Christian. 
I believe in the name of Jesus. And that's, I mean, yeah, of course I'm going to go to heaven. Uh, do you believe that you have all the money that you need right now and you're blessed by your Father in heaven right now? Uh, there's a few. God bless you. <laughs> you know, it's harder to believe in the practical provision of God here and now than it is to believe in eternal life. Because eternal life, it's mostly one of these, right? I'm just, <laughs> I just, yes, I believe in heaven. Wow, I don't have a choice. <clears throat> but when it comes to money, no, I think I have to work harder. That's what I think. I think money is in direct proportion to how hard I work and how much I sacrifice. It has to do with my schooling, has to do with my experience, has to do with whether somebody, you know, cuts me some slack and it's who I know in the business. That's how you make money. That's how you get content. And the idea of, of trusting God with our money, that's just irresponsible. And it, it probably means that you're lazy and you don't know how to work hard. And somehow... The Bible says that we're to trust God in the area of money, to trust him, and that that would be the defining factor in our approach to money. The defining factor. Not how much education, not how you're going to move up the ladder, but I trust my Father in the area of finances. So we're to trust God. And secondly, we're to use money. Now this is just, I've been meditating on this for a while. This is such a great, we're to use money. Can I get an amen on that one? Let's use money. Now what's interesting is if we don't trust God, then we end up using God and trusting money. But I think we're supposed to trust God and use money. Luke 16 says this. Use worldly, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. Isn't that great? <laughs> Just if you have a bit of money, you'll get some friends. So now you know why. Anyways. Um, if you have not been trustworthy in handling or using worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? We're supposed to use money. We're going to plant on this for a while. Now, in Matthew 25, 25, this is the story of the parable of the master who gives bags of gold to his servants and then goes away for a while, comes back and see, uh, to see how they've used the money that he gave them. Really interesting that he gave the money. It wasn't just through their self. They, God actually gave them money. The master gave them money. And so the one with five bags of gold, you know, says, see, I've gained five more bags of gold. And then there's the one who got one bag of gold, and this is what he says. I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And you know what the master says 
to this person who did not use money, I'm going to throw you into hell because you didn't use the money I gave you. Like, really? Like, really? If I don't use money, I get thrown into hell where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's great. How do you make sense of that? Isn't that just a little overreacting? So, here's my analogy. It's going to get corny in just a moment. Um, money, this is what I want to present to you. Money is like water. And water grows whatever it touches. So picture money to be like water. And water grows, sorry, uh, whatever water touches grows. That's what I want to say. Whatever water touches grows. So we have a plant down here. And uh, how do I make that plant grow? I water it. I have in here, this is mildly amusing, I think it's an Avengers towel. And uh, what I'm going to do, it's going to be really fun. I'm going to make it grow. Are you ready? So I'm going to, we're just going to add a little bit and let's see what it does. But as I water it, yeah, no, no, I, I, I got this, I got this. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, uh, follow me on this. Okay, you all concentrating? What do you want to grow in your life? What do you want to grow in your life? Uh, pour money on it. If you want something to grow in your life, pour money on it. What do you want for your... I mean, this is such a strange way to think. But just work with me. Look at fun. What, what do you want your future to be? Pour money onto it. So think of what you, you want, what God is calling you to do, who you want to be. Pour money onto it. Isn't that a... Okay, we'll keep going. Um, what do you want to grow in your spouse? What would you like your spouse to grow? So we're going to grow. What would you like him or her to be like? You're going to grow a little bit more, right? Uh, pour some money on her. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Come on now. There we go. <laughs> pour some money on it. Uh, what do you want your children? What do you hope your children will grow into? Do you want your children to grow? Pour money into them. Whatever you want to grow, you need to pour money into it. 
And if you don't pour money into it, it won't grow. I'm not saying it's the only thing that's required. Uh, we pour money into our kids. We just pour money into them. Uh, lots of money. And it's multiplied by 10. If you want to do the math, it gets tricky. And we, uh, we pour money into our kids. Isn't that a different way of thinking? So we think, how am I going to save money? Because I know how much I make every month. And uh, I want to do lots. So I've got to save money. And this passage says, I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. I was afraid that I wouldn't have any, so I saved. Now, saving is a good thing. I am not, this is not a, <laughs> a sermon on not saving. But it is a sermon on using money to grow what God values. To use it. We have, uh, in our church, it's, a, it's been a principle, and I don't know who came up with this. Our church is about 16 years old now. And we have a principle in our church that we try to use up all the money every year. The uh, government, in case you're wondering, likes that. When you're a charitable organization, charitable organization is not about saving money, it's about serving. And so the government actually wants to make sure that you're doing that. So we're in line with what the government wants a volunteer organization to do. But every year, what we do is we find out how much money came in last year, and then we try to spend, project, and spend that same amount of money in the next year. We try to spend it all. What if our perception of money was, I get this much, how, what am I going to grow with it? What am I going to grow with the money that I'm given? I got this much money, I can't believe it's this much money. Anywhere else in the world, we're all millionaires, right? And uh, what am I going to do, what am I going to grow with the money that God gave me? And then what does God say? If you, if you use my money to grow what I've given you, then I'm just going to keep giving you more. And this isn't some health and wealth message. It's God's going to support what needs to be grown. So I, I, I look at our children, and uh, one of the things that we value is we value going away together. We just really, we just really value doing that. It's, uh, life can get so busy. And uh, when we go away, we need uh, three hotel rooms. <laughs> Keep doing the math. You'll, you'll get overwhelmed like me in just a moment. And then when we go to McDonald's, it's 80 bucks for sure. McDonald's. We haven't even gone anywhere I like. We've just gone to McDonald's and we're paying 80 bucks for a stupid burger. 
We're investing. We're investing in our kids. We're pouring into them money. What do you want to grow in the world? When you look at the world, God gave us this, this world to rule in his name. What do you want to grow in this world? Put money into it. Put money into it. What you did, and we're going to be showing you something this next year, that uh, uh, it's called Freedom Tree, an opportunity to, to give and invest in that in lots of ways. I can hardly wait to tell you about this. But last year, what we agreed to do as a community is we agreed to pour into a house in Nepal called the Hitauta House. And uh, if you can click that slide, Cynthia, I want to read out a letter of what, your, uh, of what your money did. I just love these pictures. Just pause on them because I just... We would like to send our sincere thanks to all of, for all you did in 2016 to help build Hitauta House. You have more than doubled the number of women and children in Nepal who will be rescued from trafficking, will receive a family in the safe home, and education and vocational skills that allow women to provide for their families and enrich the community. You partner with God in building a, strong, a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm, and a shade from the heat, Isaiah 25.4. Construction is well underway in Hatauda, Nepal, on the 60-person safe home. The foundation level is now complete, and the walls are taking shape. Marcus from Construction for Change is on site, directing local workers in this incredible project. Safe home construction is progressing quickly and will finish sometime this autumn. Women's Protection Center, which is what it's called, Nepal, currently serves 26 women and children living in the current rented safe home. Many children in the home do not have parents or their parents are HIV infected. You provide a family for these children. Additionally, 39 children are granted education sponsorships in the community and local school. The home partners with the local NGOs, provides an awareness and counseling program to reach over 200 women and children. You do not just provide a home, you give a permanent location where workers on the ground can fight trafficking before it starts, making a difference in the nation of Nepal. 14 women are currently undergoing six-month vocational training where they learn to sew and operate their own sewing business. Dahal, a recent graduate, has started a tailoring shop. She is now able to financially provide for her family. She can give her children food and an education. The vocational program has served over 250 women since its beginning. Allows women a new life where they are not forced to work in the sex trade, but instead can develop skills to move them beyond limitations of their caste and society. These opportunities change lives, create families, and bring joy where there was once only nightmares. And it's all thanks to you. We poured money into that, and lives are being changed. This is, a, uh, this is a letter that's written to people who don't believe in Jesus and others who do, and so it doesn't mention the work of the gospel that's happening in these children and women's lives. But you poured into it. You invested. Finally, what do you want to grow in your church? This is your church home. What do you want to grow here? We can pray. Boy, do we need to do that. We can invest our time. And 
but we need to pour money into it. Um, last year, we had uh, uh, expenses um, over income. We had a surplus this year of $14,000, which is really, really great. It's a budget of uh, around two and a, uh, a quarter million dollars. And so we had a, uh, a surplus this year, which is fantastic. Our budget from, uh, from last year went up 20%. You've poured 20% more in. It's amazing. Uh, to the best of our calculation, 57% of all the money that comes into this church is spent directly on missions. Isn't that great? 57% of everything that comes in, and we only want that number to grow. But it's great. <clears throat> next year, this is the first time I think we've ever done this. Uh, next year, th I guess it's this year. This year, we are, uh, we've increased our budget by 20%. We've never done that before. And uh, we're asking that you would pour into this church, that you would pour into the church so that the work of the kingdom can be done here. Um, just so you know, we have a statement that we say in the board, which I really like. We budget in faith, but we don't go into debt. And so we'll never go into debt, but we're budgeting. What, one of the things that we're considering looking at this year is hiring a uh, Every Nation uh, Young Adults Director. And what we see, there's a bridge between what's happening on the campus and our local church. We want somebody to strengthen that because I think it's blessing outreach and the people within our church. It's one of the things that we'd like to do as we look forward. My question to you is, will you pour in to what you can't control? Will you, will you pour into a church and you can't control the money? Would you do that? Now, there's trust for you. And now the use of your money is expressing trust instead of replacing trust. And that's a beautiful thing. So this series is about worship. How can you tell what you worship? You simply look at where you invest your money. You've been in the church for a while, you know this passage, Luke 12, 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And so we pour in to our families. We pour in to our spouses if you're married. We, uh, we pour in to our friends. We pour into the world. We pour in to a church community. We pour in, we, we use our money. And we're able to use our money because we're not afraid. We're not afraid. I can tell you story after story of the faithfulness of God in Debbie's and my life. The faithfulness of God. I still remember Leone giving a, a prophetic word a number of years ago when it looked like yet again we were going to lose our house. That happens cyclically. <laughs> um, and I just remember the look on her face. It was just, she says, God told me, you're not going to lose your house. And I knew there was a witness in my spirit that it was true. And then I go, thank you, Father. That means that I get to pour more. 
You get to pour more. You get to use this house for the glory of your name and to love other people. Thank you that we get to do that. And then an income stream opens. Never would have imagined it in a million years. The faithfulness of God as we trust God and use money. If we mistrust God, we misuse money. But as we trust God, we pour generously into his priorities. Let me close with 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 8. I, I love these verses. I like them in the New American Standard. It says, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance in, for every good deed. Is that you? Do you have an abundance for every good deed? Are you able to take and sow so that things grow and expand? Are you able to do that? Or is money a place of fear for you? And I've got to control it. I've got to control it. And if I don't have enough, I don't know what I'm... There's a way to look at money where we don't serve money. We use money for the glory of our King. And freedom comes. You never give away what you don't have. That's called irresponsibility. But you sow it. You pour it. One of the things that I've said about my kids is I don't, I want them to experience the provision of their Heavenly Father. I want them to experience that. I do not make a lot of money doing this job. But I want them to know that there's a Heavenly Father who loves them and provides for them and is generous to them. And if I want them to believe that He's generous to them spiritually, I want them to experience the generosity of God physically. I want my wife to be blessed. And I'll, I'll let you in. Sorry, Debbie. Um, I'm going to buy her some flowers. We're going to go out for a nice dinner. And that thing happens to me again. It starts about here. And I go, oh boy. I don't know if I have enough money for this. I pour into my wife. And then when she's poured into, we can manage our money a little tighter perhaps. Because she feels loved and safe. Something happens when we use money for the love of God and the love of people. Can I give you freedom today to use your money? Let's stand together. Father, I think of living in Vancouver and uh, just reading last week that this is the third most expensive city in the world. 
And if anybody should be afraid, it should be us. And I ask for my friends here that you would give us a freedom to trust you as we use money, that it would not have power over us, that it, we would not submit to it, but that we would submit to you and that we would demonstrate our faith in you by pouring in to your priorities, pouring in to those that we love, to those that we're reaching out to, to our community at church, to uh, programs and ministries around the world. And Father, I thank you that as we pour in, you fill us because you will never leave us or forsake us. Father, thank you that you don't tell us to give away what we don't have. That's just presumption. But you do tell us to sow generously, to pour in, to make a choice to give money away, not just to hoard it. That we could be free from the bondage of money and see the miracle of trusting in our Heavenly Father. As we worship you, would you give us this freedom?